0: I'm Henry Lin. I'm Dave Grossman. And welcome to Better World. Better World is an exploration of badass people doing really cool things. The more we know about this world, the better we can do in changing it. Welcome to Better World. Dave, thanks so much for filling in for Barnett Zitron, who is still on the playa, still out there at Coachella. They are regular-sized
1: shoes, and I'm happy to fill them.
0: (laughs) Regular allegedly in Sun Valley. No, wait, uh, Park City. He, he's doing something very important now. So, um, And we would like to welcome our guests today. Guys, Courtney Boyd-Myers, James Widener, welcome.
2: Thanks thank for having us. Much. Thanks for having us.
0: Dave, word on the street is that a aquaculture farm the size of Washington State could feed the entire world. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what we're going to discuss today?
1: I would really like to tell you about what we're going to discuss today, Henry. Thank you. Today we're talking about aquaculture, and notably sustainable aquaculture. Humans have been cultivating seafood for thousands of years, and we're coming into a new age of sustainable aquaculture. And I've got a project that I've been working on with James Widener here for many years with sustainable sea cucumber production. Ooh and i've known Courtney Boyd Myers for several years as well and she is the queen of kelp so we are here to talk about sustainable aquaculture why how when aquaculture who,
0: refers to mollusks clams whatever, kelp
1: finfish finfish any kind of seafood henry any kind of seafood It's the fancy name or sea salad okay. in the case of kelp red lobster for the seafood growing anything in the sea for consumption or really any any other kind of product okay i'm into that have you heard of farming i've heard of farming okay so it's just like concept. that but in the water with sebastian the crab Um yeah that's the one yeah okay, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: we're going to continue to look for funny courtney we'll let you know if we find it <laughs> guys thank you again for coming courtney can you tell us a little bit um i see there's a kelp jerky bag on the table for those of you who can't see it, it's um, it's gorgeous. It looks delicious. And Courtney has a lovely smile. Welcome to our studio. So Courtney, tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing and how it is going to change the world. Because uh, Dave tells me we're going to have to make enough protein out of sea cucumbers to feed at least 2 billion people. Otherwise, we're screwed.
3: Yeah, so I'm Courtney Boyd-Myers. Uh, a lot of people call me CBM. So for the podcast, we can go with that it's shorter. Let's rock. Uh, our company is Akua. AKUA. And just before here, we are joking about aquaculture. I think we're going to have to start calling it aquaculture for us. <laughs> nice. um, two, two years ago, I started learning more and more about sustainable ocean farming of kelp. Mm-hmm. It's what they call regenerative ocean farming because growing a kelp farm in the ocean is kind of like planting a rainforest in the sea in terms of
0: because a bunch of species live off it and interact with it.
3: Exactly. And then also it's filtering nitrogen and carbon from the water, oh. which is helping to reduce ocean acidification and then a lot of cooling the, pe- the oceans. Exactly. Um and right now the oceans are one of the biggest attractors of carbon in the atmosphere. So the heating oceans are killing our coral reefs, um, contributing to climate change, obviously. So we're also giving a lot of people who are fishermen ways to make more money off the ocean. So I was like, this is so cool, the environmental Mm -hmm. benefits, the economic benefits. And then I started eating kelp and learning about the health benefits. So what Akua is, is we're setting out to create a consumer market for kelp, starting with our first product, kelp jerky.
0: Oh, amazing. Yep. Can, can I have one? Yeah, of course. Let's go. Okay. So, so what is kelp jerky? What, so what's the process by which you created?
3: It? Oh, it's a very long process. So kelp jerky is a high protein, high fiber snack, mm-hmm. very low sugar. This is our sesame sea salt flavor. So if you know, like, the nori strips mm-hmm. that are quite famous, um, this is sort of a playoff of that with the sesame and the nori It's flavors. really good.
1: Mm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I say yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so um, for people who are plant-based eaters or vegans, there's not a lot of high-protein soy-free jerkies out there. This mm-hmm. is actually the only soy-free high-protein jerky on the market today.
0: Oh, wow. Ten grams of fiber, too. Yeah, it's
3: real tasty. <laughs> Glad you guys like it. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's all the things for my system. So you guys started with kelp jerky and your product diversification is going to go into what?
3: So kelp jerky is probably the hardest product we could have made. So we basically taking... Yeah, start with that one first. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay. It- it allows us to be in a very highly innovative category, which has allowed us to raise venture funding. Right. But you know, we should have maybe started out with like kelp balls and crackers and hmm. bites and chips, because those right. would be a lot easier to make. Um, and so all those things are in our future product rollout. Um, we're also really interested in bringing to market like a green kelp noodle to replace a lot of the clear kelp noodles you might see in health right. food stores right. today, or Juice Press has a great kelp noodle mm-hmm. uh, boxed lunch. Uh, Yeah, but this one, we're really excited. We sort of backed into the nutritionals that we wanted. Um, So the high fiber, the high protein, the low calorie, the low sugar. And we recently did like a micronutrient test panel. And so one bag of kelp jerky, this actually all surprised us. We were excited. has 70% of your daily iron, um, 30% of your daily magnesium, over 100% of your B1 and B2. It has A and D and E and calcium. So it's sort of like a multivitamin in a snack bag. Sick. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And they go great with sea cucumbers.
3: <laughs> I haven't had a sea cucumber yet. Did you bring any? Oh, you oh, will. If, if that's <laughs> not a
0: segue. James, why don't you tell us a little bit about sea cucumber life or yeah. anemones?
2: Absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, anemones? No. So, uh, yeah, different. Different, a different thing. Akinoderm. Okay, a kinoderm. Similar okay. to uh, to starfish, actually. Oh. I have the same family oh, okay. as starfish. But yeah, Dave and I were, um, we started working on uh, the sea cucumber idea a good eight years ago or so, um, and it turned out to be... Um, a confluence of a lot of different things that we were interested in, and we hadn't really realized that when we first started set out. right you know we had been in uh, in Central America working in uh, in furniture production for right. a while and had gotten into into sustainability, especially just thinking about forest sustainability through that. And so that was sort of in very much on the mind. Um, that sea cucumbers came about a bit obliquely. Um, we had talked about it for a while. i I had spent a lot of time traveling in Asia, a lot of time in China, and uh, it was sort of a special occasion meal served on a very regular basis. Right. There is uh, a presentation, um, you know, if you're having a big business meeting dinner, sea cucumber is gonna show up at some point on the menu.
0: So it's a delicacy and uh, some type of health-related wellness treatment
2: yeah for the um you know for for the eastern medicine there are uh, a great deal of you know beliefs th- thousands of years of um you know combination of beliefs and then seeing results from mm-hmm. positive results from uh, from eating it and a lot of that now in in the west that we're kind of uh, going about it in our own way and uh, and proving out that there are in fact a lot of uh, very beneficial ingredients or, or um, you know uh, nu- nutrients that make up the sea cucumber. So
1: and some of these are of the, uh, good cholesterol. There's chondroitin. There's antioxidants. It's got a great ratio of uh, protein to fat. It's technically a superfood. Mm. Uh, It is some of the least expensive or most cost effective animal protein that you can grow in the Mm -hmm. sea or on land. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's massive demand in China because it's been a delicacy for so long, there's a growing middle class. Mm -hmm. As a result, they are being exploited worldwide and, and at times driven to extinction. So it behooves us to create a sustainable solution in which we can provide a supply for that demand and also repopulate the oceans where we're working with this this critical animal for mm-hmm. the, the ocean
2: yeah the interesting th- thing there is that um, they have been using sustainable practices to raise sea cucumbers in China for a long time so this is not necessarily a new practice although there are uh, new approaches that are improving um, survival mm-hmm. rates and things like that but um, as the demand uh, so far outpaced supply uh, even within China, where there's a multi-billion dollar uh, farm-raised sea cucumber industry, demand was rising so quickly as more and more people became, became wealthy, and this was one of the aspirational food products that was demanded most, uh, most quickly and widely demanded. And so as more and more people are able to, uh, to afford them, China began looking for more uh, you know, supplier markets. Um, and when they reached those supplier markets, those markets just weren't ready, regulatorily and uh, you know process wise, when it comes to sustainability, to to handle it. And so mm-hmm. it was it was entirely wild fished. And they're so they're they're so easy to fish for wild that um, you ended up with you know just this brand new massive demand for a product that's easy to catch and it doesn't take a lot of infrastructure. And so right. a lot of depletion in a lot of areas very very quickly, and that um, ended up adding to ocean ocean acidification, so very similarly to kelp. Um, there are similar properties in sea cucumbers. They are uh, detrivores, so they're eating the detritus in the bottom of the seafloor, right. and they're turning that into um, into a lot of the building blocks of coral.
1: Calcium um, carbonate.
2: Calcium carbonate. Um, ammonia. Ammonia as well and so, so building blocks for coral and, and uh, when, so when sea cucumbers are taken out ocean, ocean acidification rises um, and then you're also, they're not eating the detritus anymore which can lead to uh, yeah. like- alg- algal blooms um, which can deplete other seafood uh, you know, or, or other uh, fish in the area. Okay, wow. So um, yeah, the, the idea is that this is, you know, this is a, there are methods for doing this sustainably, for cultivating sea cucumbers sustainably and profitably um that have existed for a long time but just haven't reached these new markets and so over the last 10 years plus a lot of these new markets are trying to get a a handle on you know shutting down the current wild-caught sea cucumber industry right but also want to you know one create more sea cucumbers uh in the sea and two um also be able to benefit from the market um be able to participate in that market in a way that isn't uh, that isn't detrimental right. uh, to the health of the ocean. So, we're um, we're working on on a process on bringing this process into Central America into Panama um, in a way that'll allow us to create more sea cucumbers, which are good for the ocean. We don't take out and we won't take out any more than we we put in. Of course, the fact of them being there while they're growing is helpful for the uh, right. health of the of the ecosystem. Um, and then we're also able to you know to uh, participate in that market. And so m-
0: much it. like a tree. You get the maximum benefit through its growth cycle. It does all the things, cleans up, you know, leaves behind good stuff, Mm -hmm. and then before it rots or dies or expires, we harvest it, bring it to market, and sustainably replant
1: everything that we replace.
2: Exactly. And and just by the
1: presence of us putting sea cucumbers in the water. We we grow them in a laboratory. We put them in the water. They're broadcast spawners. So by putting a critical mass of sea cucumbers into the water, there will be tremendous downstream, literally downstream effects. Because the current can take the the spawn Mm -hmm. 5,000 miles. I mean, they they can go very, very far.
3: Sorry, broadcast spawners? Mm -hmm. Can you break down that term for me?
1: (laughs) uh so it's C- con uh, C- you put on a little owl green and uh they reproduce externally so a single female sea cucumber can can release hundreds of thousands uh of eggs at a time and they can move with the current um they either meet up with the, the sperm locally or downstream and it's broadcast because they're just going out into the current and um Letting them know. Yeah, you know, if you've seen Finding Nemo, it's kind of like that cool turtle that takes everybody around. Except in this case, it's just... Um,
2: Genetic material.
0: There you C-cucumber go.
3: Cucumber sperm. Yeah, that's the one.
1: Exactly.
3: <laughs> and don't forget the eggs. Right. <laughs> it's amazing.
0: So this brings us to the uh, erectile dysfunction treatment <laughs> that sea uh, cucumbers are used for, right?
2: That's been one of the main things in China, at least uh, one Yeah, you know, it's... Uh,
0: Dave yeah. said a fancy word earlier, which I'm pretty sure referred to stiff dicks.
2: <laughs> that is, my niece that If is you're true. listening, please
1: don't talk like that. Hey, Jack.
2: But yeah, every um, shout out to Sydney. Every every time I was at a dinner in China and being served this, uh, eventually some the, you know they start off with the, it's very good for your skin, it's very good for your joints, it reduces inflammation, right? And the entire laundry list of all the very good things, and then it always ended with, and also, and then a ham gesture of some kind, which meant that right. like, my erections okay. were going to get better. Just, so.
1: Since the Ming Dynasty, there have been purported aphrodisiac benefits of sea cucumbers. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of benefits which are being researched and proven, like James was saying, from um, addressing arthritis and joint pain. Uh, Even as far as fighting pancreatic cancer cells, there's um, purported antichrysanogenic properties. And the aphrodisiac side of it, you'll just have to come on down to... (laughs) panacea sea cucumber shack and try for yourself
3: (laughs) well hopefully this that's a new village curtail their obsession with rhino horns
1: oh jesus
3: yeah there are
2: i mean you know there there is a lot of traditional chinese medicine that can be done in ways that are fully sustainable and, and and uh can continue to kind of feed that market um, and so, you know, hopefully when you find something like that, and there are there are a lot of, you know, you see a lot of ad campaigns and things there right now for a, um, you know, to, to kind of curb and stop poaching. Hmm. And so there is a real effort um, happening to, to curb a lot of those practices. And so hopefully one of the things that, that can go towards that are providing alternatives that are still thought to work in that direction but are sustainably uh, producible
1: there was a fairly successful campaign to stop the consumption of shark fin mm. which was a another one a very very problematic period um that has really gone away for the most part in like the last five ten years what has replaced that as the major delicacy is sea cucumbers so as awesome. a result sea cucumbers are being exploited everywhere but we have a turnkey way to provide a sustainable source for something that is considered a delicacy and perhaps many other benefits as well.
2: That brings up an interesting thought there. That that you know, with a lot of things that are you know exploited for food, um, it just doesn't really make as much sense for them to be aquaculture, mariculture, farmed. Uh, something like sharks or finfish. They are doing a lot of finfish aquaculture, and and there are a lot of really interesting advances in that direction but it can still be really costly and really difficult to do correctly and a lot of it is that that um, how much does it cost to like to feed the things that you're trying to grow to get them to a point okay. where they're being consumed and where you're getting that protein and the the protein and protein out uh, is sort of the repeated issue
1: no fish food required
2: what you know, are so the it,
3: predators of sea cucumbers
2: there are um, there are a few you, like you get, you get crabs and, and things like that, but and they have um, spicules on them. Most of them have a natural defense system, whether it's the spicules or whether it's a, a toxin that's secreted onto their skin, which keeps uh, predators from attacking. So normally, they're, they're, unless there is a particularly aggressive um, predator, it's usually when they are uh, juveniles that they are, uh, it's possible for them to end up getting eaten. But with the aquaculture, with the mariculture approach, um, they're not put in the water until they're adults and capable of fending off predators. So usually you don't really see many natural, there aren't really any natural predators that are dangerous for an adult population.
1: And it will be very, very slow. If you've ever seen a starfish attack something, <laughs> you're gonna need to do that on time-lapse. So of course, the areas where we're cultivating the, the sea cucumbers um, we are we're watching, monitoring, uh, using submersible drone cameras to make sure that no, nothing is very slowly going after the sea cucumbers. But they have very few natural predators. And ha- how does that work on the kelp side of things?
3: So on the West Coast, there's a huge problem with the abalone, mm. eating the kelp and destroying the forest. Um,
0: abalone is a type of tuna?
3: It's a shell, like it's a shelled. A shell.
2: Yeah, it's another shell in in China as well. It's a
3: yeah. After that. It's a
1: um, they eat all the kelp.
3: Yeah, which otters eat them.
1: Ooh. Ooh. So Can we get more of them. More
3: otters is really the answer. Yes. Um, we that's we have an so otter right, as our mascot because when otters <laughs> nap, they wrap themselves in kelp so oh they don't God. fall asleep from their partners. So cute. <laughs> it's like the cutest thing ever. Die! Die! <laughs> Die. Oh the things.
1: So we just need more sea otters.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Okay,
1: all day. Okay, my sister's gonna be psyched. What about on the East Coast uh, in the Maine area where you're doing this? Are there any is- are there any issues of predators or or environmental forces that would stop the cultivation and growth?
3: No, up in up in Maine, we we don't have any natural predators. Um, the kelp farms, you know, are attached basically with rope and buoy, so. A bad storm or like a boat driving through could could knock out a farm but
1: how how big are the farming areas typically
3: uh typical leases that are granted to mostly fishermen are between 25 and 100 acres
0: oh wow okay yeah
3: they're big that's a farm Mm -hmm. mm-hmm yeah
0: 20 acres and a kelp (laughs)
1: that's right and a sea otter
0: and a sea otter (laughs) <laughs> we have to take a commercial break really quickly and give a uh, shout-out to smileradio.fm and The Smile and smile to go for providing us with such delicious chicken and pop-tarts. God love you guys. Uh, smileradio.fm. Check out some of the other fun podcasts like Elfcast. Great time, guys. Uh, and take a look on, uh, and give a follow on Instagram, smileradio.fm and smile to go Thanks to Shinola Detroit for our beautiful on-air sign. And thanks to Matt Kleegman for being a great American. Okay, and we're back. Um, I would love to hear about scale, uh, because it sounds like you guys are solving what will soon be a much larger major problem. So how does this uh, this grow? Um, Do you train other farmers in Panama? Do you acquire other acreage on the other side? What do you thoughts?
3: you guys want to take the Panama question
1: um, I would love for you to lead off on this okay. and then we can we can follow up with that because I'm, I'm I'm curious what you have to say about it.
3: Yeah, so kelp farming right now in the us is a relatively new industry. Um, the growing of seaweeds and water ocean water has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years and right. mostly China and Korea, Japan. in fact, um, I think over Seventy percent of the seaweed that's bought on the global market is actually from Korea today. Oh, wow. So, what well, we've been working on for um, the past couple years, as as a coup of the company, is helping to grow the market of U.S. sustainably grown kelp here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working in partnership with a nonprofit called Green Wave, and then we have a couple partners up in Maine who. Collectively, have been doing this for about 10 years. That's when the first kelp farm started coming online. Um, and it's already grown, you know, from kind of like five farmers doing it. Um, and I think we had like 40 new farmers sign up last year. Oh, wow. Uh, we had a, you know, great sort of round of press and excitement when it comes to just aquaculture in general. And So who are
0: the farmers? The farmers are, you know, former fishermen who got out of the game and are now into a new sustainable game?
3: Or still in the game. So a lot of these fishermen uh, who are independent have been either out of work or or underemployed because of the big fishing companies that have come in and and bought up all the the catch licenses. Uh, And so a lot of these guys are, you know, it's kind of like a a hobby. They have like an oyster farming license and now see a way to, to make additional income from this. And a lot of them are fishermen who are now, Able to make you know an extra kind of between twenty-five, fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year in, in kelp farming. So, Akua, we don't own any of our farms. Right. Um, we want the farmers to own the farms
0: it's a sweet green type model we're, we're going to work directly with the local empower the local farmer exactly hopefully create more of them
3: yeah exactly so you know in us creating a demand for kelp we can then create hmm. more of these jobs for the farmers on the, the northeast coast mm-hmm. um scale in terms of you know sort of the industry itself you know it's growing exponentially every year um, and why kelp is so cool is it's, it's really like, it's a weed. It, right, right. It, it grows so fast and so abundantly. So the sort of ability to harvest it every spring and process it and have this grow year after year and have more and more people eating kelp is, is really exciting, um, especially- so it's a
0: consumer challenge. We have to get more people eating kelp and recognizing that this is an incredible alternative for a protein source and for a fiber source.
3: Yeah, exactly. And and there's. Yeah, please eat up. Um, (laughs) And there's a lot of uses for kelp. I mean, kelp can be used in beauty products. Um, You've seen amazing studies come to light of uh, farmers feeding their cows seaweed, Mm -hmm. and the cows, as a uh, reaction, are farting 90% less. Wow. Which cow farting is like a huge contributor (laughs) to greenhouse gases. So. Um, there's also a lot of government funding going in right now to understand if kelp can be used as a biofuel. Um, we're playing in the food space, and Akua might later play in the beauty space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this whole industry, as as it grows together, is so exciting because the kelp and and the same thing with Panacea, you're not taking up any dry land. You're not using fertilizer or feed. You know, we're not using any fresh water to grow all, right. all of this abundant food. Right. Um, so yeah.
1: And that's a big part of the of, it, of a short answer to a, a larger question. Sh- ex- exactly. Um, on our side of things, when we're talking about scale, I think it'd be important to first talk about what the initial challenges are or the biggest threats that most people trying to cultivate any kind of seafood are uh, because in comparison to the Eastern Seaboard or the West Coast, there are unique challenges to Central America that are very common all over the world. And we've been spending a lot of time trying to address those so that we can actually get to scale. And James, why don't you get a little bit into those challenges
2: yeah, so and solutions. I think what we're talking about, is, you know, for for us, the uh, real limit to scalability comes with with how many. You know, it starts with how many sea cucumbers ought you to have per uh, square meter um, to for it to be for the organism to be healthy, and it's about three to four, depending on um, usually depending on the amount of uh, nutrients in the sediment. And so really as much land or as much seabed as you, as, as you can get to cultivate, you know, that's obviously what, what tells you, because you can make, when it comes to making the juveniles in a lab setting, you can make millions and millions and millions without, um, without very much uh, infrastructure. Mm. And so it's just a matter of where you're going to put them, where you're going to put them in a place where they're going to be able to health, uh, healthily grow to a marketable size. And so to start off, the approach is, um, you know, uh, getting concessions, working with the government. Uh, it's been a very positive response from the Panamanian government, um, as they see this as nothing but a benefit um, to bring the industry back to the country in a way that mm-hmm. makes sense, and to have this organism in the water that's actually helping, um, helping while it's in the water. So that that's been helpful. Um, the other thing that helps us out in that respect is that um, the you you don't need to avoid shipping lanes with it you don't need to avoid uh, other fishing activities with it um, these things can continue to happen it doesn't really mess with the sea cucumber on the seabed so you're not asking for too much if you're getting a concession for sea cucumbers you're not asking them to stop shipping lanes or to stop other activities uh, or, or
1: so. necessarily with other aquaculture activities as right, well we right. can stack species we can work with other fin fish cultivations True. we can work with kelp or anything like that so it's um it's an amazing foundational activity to have um, seabeds that are currently not being used for really anything. Right.
2: And then the, the kind of, you know, the, the, the dream is something that can be really cool once we're able to prove concept with it. Initially, we, you know, we want to be able to prove concept with it, having it in house and having concessions that we're able to control. Mm-hmm. Um, but then branching out and being able to work with um, existing communities living along the seacoast. And sort of bring them in to um, helping to, to raising smaller plots of sea cucumber on the seabed floor that they're watching individually becomes a passive source of income for them, and then we're just, training farmers. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and then really expands the amount of seabed that we're able to have access to for our sea cucumbers as we buy it back and put it into the, the you know, full package of what mm-hmm. we're selling on the back end there. Um, but was that when you were uh, saying that? The kelp and oysters often go hand in hand. Is that something that, that they're able to happen in the same location yeah. like that, on top of one another, basically?
3: Yeah. That's so cool. the kelp are growing in what looks like um. So I, I imagine like a rope that's like an underwater cube, yeah. and on the um the four corners there's uh, scallops, oysters, and mussels growing in cages, and then the kelp is across the different ropes, hmm. and that ecosystem is. Proven to be like really beneficial. So, I'd, I'd love to, you know, explore opportunities after this podcast to see how we can bring sea cucumbers Absolutely, into the yeah. mix. I mean, there are
1: 1,400 different species of sea cucumbers you can find yeah. all over the world. The sp- main species that we're working with is Isostecopus barionatus*, And that species is endemic from, well, throughout the Gulf Coast, from Venezuela all the way up to the Florida Keys. So, the wonderful opportunity that we have establishing ourselves in Panama as the central source of our production will be able to turn this into a a multi-country approach moving forward. The biggest challenge that, that many who have tried and failed have encountered is poaching is very common. A lot of this has to do with education. It's a waiting game when it comes to sea cucumbers. And there are, t- there is typically a black market somewhere for someone who is willing to buy them, under, you know, commercial maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is about working with the folks, the the local communities, the indigenous populations, and ensuring that they understand that this is essentially like keeping chickens. Right? So
3: you have sea cucumber pirates.
1: Um, there are. Poachers everywhere. Yeah. This happens in a lot of countries and it can stifle businesses uh, before they even start. Um, that being said, it, it's, it's, it's why it's, it's so important to work with the government in terms of having the right concessions, but also working directly with the local communities so that they understand and have buy-in to mm-hmm. the long, both the short and long term impact of this, because as James says, this is passive income. Mm-hmm. Considering the the typical income level of the, the Caribbean basin throughout many of these countries, from Colombia, going up through Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Belize, Mexico, the Caribbean coast tends to be more impoverished than the Pacific coast in all these countries. So we see this activity even if we're centralizing production in panama and bringing the juveniles to be grown in these areas moving forward as a way of really alleviating poverty creating jobs creating passive income and showing that aquaculture is not just a way to help double the necessary food production by 2050 but this is a way to create real income for people who who need it most and people who are um, Most exposed and in greatest danger for the coming impact of climate change. Right. Mm. It's a real party. It's a true triple bottom line business. People Mm -hmm. throw these words out there all the time. But the truth is it's environmentally sustainable, restorative, Economically, it makes sense because the market just keeps on roaring in China for these and eventually we'd like this to be integrating these into consumer products Here in the u.s. and in other places as well, which we can certainly talk about um, Because it is the most cost-effective animal protein um, Or one of the most cost-effective, so there's 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 a lot of benefits There's a lot of practical hurdles. That's what we've been working on for eight years and we're finally well, what's that consumer hurdle, right? So it, there's a
0: conversation about kelp, and you have beautiful packaging. You've got great branding. Uh, where do we sell it? How do we sell it? What are the ways in which we get people to try and adopt it? Um, you know, for both products, for for kelp and cucumbers. Can you can you tell me a little bit about how you tackle the consumer integration
1: challenge? We have a um, we have a happy problem that there is a an almost limitless demand demand in Asia for sea right. cucumbers. And that makes for a very stable market price for anything that we're, we're growing, as long as the quality is there.
3: What is the price per pound?
1: Um, it, it ranges you know, day to day, but it, it's, it's typically around $170, $180 a kilo, Wow! which for any product is, is very high. And that's because demand continues to increase and supply continues to go down. Yep. So the market fundamentals are, are creating. They're in your favor.
2: That, that is for the, for the dried product. No, so it's not. Uh, it's, it's it's high, but it's not you know for the for the fresh wets, okay. so that is without without the water.
1: That being said, um, you know once we hit true scale, and as as the world continues to change, there's every incentive to package well to process and package mm-hmm. this protein, which can easily be you know formed into a protein powder yeah. or mm-hmm. a patty or any any number of ways. I mean you know we we. Eat and drink whey protein, soy protein. It's not like reading soybeans. The uh, sea cucumber impossible burger mm-hmm. next on mm-hmm. Burger King's menu. <laughs> Talking my language, buddy. Here I would eat go. sea
3: cucumber sushi. We will. Yeah, we
1: will this weekend. Are <laughs> you guys going to Panama it's together? not Entirely true, but we will. Okay, okay. okay. Well, this really escalated.
3: She <laughs> <laughs> yes, asked your price
0: per pound. You flew her to Panama. <laughs> it's hot and heavy in here. So uh, the adoption of kelp. How are you guys driving that for the consumer?
3: Yeah, the reason we chose kelp jerky for our first product is when we were looking at um, figures in the snack category, meat jerky was just skyrocketing. And right. f- I think right as we started Acua, Crave Jerky had sold to Hershey's for about three hundred million dollars. Damn. Um, so we were like, okay, so how do we get more Americans eating kelp? Maybe we start with kelp jerky, which seems right. to be a you know fun American product. Um, you're also seeing. A massive rise in the demand for plant-based proteins, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the lack of like a good plant-based jerky. We we're like, okay, this this could be right, interesting. So we're just
0: redirecting a market.
3: Yeah, and then the last thing is like seaweed is just on the rise. I mean, right. we've done zero branding. Or, I'm sorry, zero marketing and PR. We're we're starting that all next week for Earth Day, and we're just getting orders on our website right now from people searching for seaweed snacks. Mm-hmm.
0: And what is your website?
3: Akua. A k u a. Co. So, Akua.co. So, I can
1: go to What's your Instagram handle?
3: My Instagram's at CBM. And uh, is it a better world or better world?
0: It's better.world.
3: Better.world. So, if you go to Akua.co, we'll make a discount code for better world to get 20% off kelp jerky.
0: Oh, we'll advertise the crap out of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Giving the people what they want. Stop jerking around
0: people.
1: (laughs) And if you go to Panacea, P A N A S E A dot I O, drop us a note, I will send you an autographed headshot. <laughs> <laughs> Literally going home and getting my autograph. It'll be headshot. a
0: Dropbox link. 100%.
3: <laughs>
0: Does it come framed? In sustainable wood. It's not included. Right. That's extra. We'll tack it on. We're gonna take one more commercial break and when we come back, we're gonna discuss the ways in which you the consumer and listener can get involved today we are sponsored by a wonderful men's grooming company called blind barber blindbarber.com stay handsome blind barber provides pomades face washes shampoo conditioner and everything you need in your bathroom to be hot as fuck this hair fucks blindbarber.com We're back. I'm still staring down the sesame and nori kelp jerky bag, thinking about a couple of pieces, but trying to restrain myself at least until this is over. And we have some helpful hints uh, for you guys and what you can do to get involved in aquaculture and better alternative, more sustainable sources for protein. So we will start with kelp. Um, Akua.co?
3: Yeah, we're at akua.co, and then we're at lifeakua on every social media platform.
0: So kelp is going to be in a number of other really cool cooking related products, so not just snacks, but things I can cook with. You mentioned noodles. Yeah. So I can, I, I, sh- I can and should go out to the market and get myself some kelp noodles and try. So buy your jerky and maybe try out some kelp noodles.
3: It's really hard to find kelp noodles on the market that are green. All of the kelp noodles that are sold in stores are clear. They're
0: clear just like the cheese press ones.
3: Which um, is like eating iceberg lettuce. So all of the nutrients have been sucked out of the noodles. And I have a madcap theory that that's what is dying green M&M's. Mm. Oh, wow. I think that there's actually like a, a big market out there for natural green dyes to make products look healthier. So, MM is okay. one of those things. Um, but yeah, we want to do like a green. Conspiracy theory. I know. We want to do a <laughs> green noodle. Um, I have plenty of great farmer contacts, um, and our processor will, will ship noodles. And so. If you really want kelp noodles, like the good kind, you can email me. I'm cbm at akua.co. If
0: you're really hardcore.
3: Yeah, I'll yeah. hook you up. Um, <laughs> and for now, yeah, kelp jerky. There's a number of other like great um, kelp products that are mostly in mom and pop shops mm-hmm. up in Maine. But it's yeah, there's, there's not a lot that you can buy right now from, from anyone other than Akua.
0: So do we want our listeners asking their local grocery stores for more kelp products? <laughs>
3: Uh, So we're taking a direct-to-consumer approach. We want to be building on our business as much as possible for consumers to come to our site to buy. The problem in the CPG space is that when you... Well, we'll sell directly to grocery stores so if a grocery mm-hmm. store calls us and they can do um, significant volumes like we'll sell Everybody wholesale just needs to, to them
0: to That's it.
3: yeah because the problem is if you sell to a grocery store they ask you to go to a distributor uh-huh. the distributor takes 10% the grocery store takes another margin and like I'd rather put that margin into the product right and provide our consumers with a, a more delicious product amen so, right yeah <laughs> buy it from us <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're just gonna have to introduce you to the sweet green guys too we'll
3: yeah some, I, I know those boys and
0: we'll put some kelp in there I think so too um yeah, let's let's go beat up Johnny. Um,
1: <laughs> is it is it illegal to own a sea otter?
3: No, oh my god. <laughs> oh, <so. laughs> Google sea Google otter pets okay. in YouTube, and you will like an hour later come up for air. A oh, lot of people no. have otters Uh-oh. as pets. It's amazing.
0: No,
2: that is a revelation. <laughs> this yeah. is going to be a problem. So many otters by next week.
0: Sea cucumbers, what do you guys think? So we we're going
1: to wakua.co. How do we help you guys out? This is about education, and this is about understanding that aquaculture is the future. We've been farming on land and replacing trees with cattle for thousands of years, and that's not going very well. Right. So everybody needs to get on board that sustainable aquaculture is the only way to feed the growing human population over mm-hmm. the next 10,000, years. And it's not just eating one thing or another, it's gotta be a movement. And Akua is doing great work with this kelp. We're going along our route, which we hope will help help feed the growing demand in Asia for sea cucumbers, but we'll also create inexpensive animal protein. When's your protein powder coming out?
0: Mm. Better world protein powder, let's go.
1: If you follow us on Instagram, at Panacea, and keep an eye on the website, on our blog, you will see as uh, the adventure continues, but it is not a consumer product right now. It will be in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, We will be developing that out, and I can guarantee you... Education first and foremost. It will... Mm -hmm. It will be delicious when that happens, but we're not there yet.
2: It oh. is interesting seeing some of the beginnings of uh, of adoption in, in the Western world of of an interest in sea cucumber, both as uh, you know, it's showing up on a couple of the more experimental menus out there, and uh, also showing up in products, beauty beauty products, and yeah. uh, supplements and things like that, because as, as more people recognize uh, just how many nutrients are are in these things, so it, it is an interesting um, beginning. To uh, you know, to see the, these uses in, in our part of the world again, the the main. The main driver of all demand is going to be coming from Asia for the most part. It's a commodity um, yeah. for now. Right,
1: right. We're we're creating a, a commodity instead of a consumer product. Right.
2: It will be exciting as we you know as it grows, thinking about what other things it can be it can be used for. In it.
1: And me and James, well, we've been eating the sea cucumbers. We'll continue eating them. Um, you know, if anybody wants to come over and uh, get a Just little creative in, a in the kitchen, barbecue, right? We can show you um, how tasty these little like kinoderms really are.
0: Okay. My coat
2: has never been shinier. Is
0: that, is that a Panama or is that like Cobble Hill? Which, which direction am I going?
2: Either way.
1: We're, okay. we're in all of these places. Okay. For sure, come down to Panama. There's amazing sustainable products there from aquaculture to agroforestry and anybody with serious interest, please reach out. Dave at panacea.io or James at panacea.io um, and we will blow your fucking minds. Please go to akua.co Check our friends out
0: at panacea.io. And let's do the tourist thing, people. Let's hop on down to Panama. Email our guys. Guys, CBM. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, coming on. And thank you for helping uh, educate us on how we can make a better world. Thanks for having me. I am Henry Lin. I am Dave Grossman. And Barnett Zitron, I miss you every damn day, brother. Thanks again. Keep making the world better.